Hey listeners, welcome to part two of our episode on unpopular opinions. Last Wednesday, I was talking about microaggressions and our opinions on them. Just in case you've forgotten what we talked about, here's a short clip of where our conversation left off last week. And it, and then it builds up, right? These little punches build up. But I feel like... But here's what I wonder, though, using that example before you move forward. Sure. So I wonder if the same day you had gone out to breakfast and someone had asked where you were from. And you were like, oh, not a big deal. Yeah, I'm from Taiwan. You had the whole long conversation. Yes, I do speak very good English. Dude, first week of orientation at college. That's 24/7. it. Boom. That's what I do, yeah. Imagine if <laughs> like been all here. the time. And then, and then someone said something like, oh, yeah, Taiwan should be part of China. Like, it doesn't need to be its own separate country. That's, that's beyond ignorance. That's just stupid. And then, and then later, yeah. maybe at lunchtime, someone says to you, oh, you shouldn't be here. You should go back to wherever you're from without mm-hmm. taking any time to talk to you all about yeah. it. Day long. And then day. you go, And then you go to, you know, whatever after lunch, you know, but pretend, let's pretend this is a Saturday. Mm. You go to the store and someone Someone sees you and you're I mean, looking for. I go for to a store any weekday. <laughs> <laughs> Who teaches? I'm just saying, no classes, right? Ah, so right, then, right, right. so then it's you know sometime in the afternoon and you're deciding you're gonna buy pasta because you want to make you know Alfredo and someone goes, oh, can I help you find the Asian section because mm. you know but like making a comment of yeah, seeing yeah. what you can mm. eat, yeah, right? Yeah. And then and then on Monday you have a job interview and then or then they, you have a job interview the same day. We're all same building day. the same day. So oh, the okay, same day. Same so day. you have a job interview and they say something they, like they say um like oh well I gotta think of something about him that would disqualify him professionally because your name sounds too white at this point. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Or they go to a job interview and maybe maybe they they see your name and then you walk in they and they're like Oh they think I'm lying. Yeah. Are you sure your real name is James Taylor? Like and then they make some sort of a comment about Oh, this job isn't for Mm. it was wouldn't maybe isn't good for an Asian, right? And then you go to your friend's house and they see a picture and then you're with your, you know, they're, you're talking to this grandma and you're, you've had this full day of mm-hmm. these comments. And then yeah. they say, wow, your grandfather is very dark mm-hmm. for an oriental person. I wonder if your reaction to that would be a little bit different because you were like, holy moly. It's all day long. It's all day long. You know, the same kind of stuff, which individually, if it happened one, maybe for, maybe for you, if it happened once a day for like so many weeks of all of the things, it wouldn't really add up, but it all happening in order might mm-hmm. have felt different. And now part two of this episode. Yeah. That was fun thing. <laughs> I like, have in uh, fact. You could say read, yes, you I have. I have in fact, and they have prickly heads. They have. <laughs> Elephants have very prickly heads. This is a recurring story in James. Public service announcement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up, Inconclusive. My name is James. My name is Abigail. And my name is Candace. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table. It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer. Okay, let's begin. Before the break, I was uh, having the worst day ever, (laughs) according to our fictional scenario. Um, So... A few things. I think I, I've had. I've never had such a terrible day, based on that. Um, now I'm not saying other people who are a racial minority could not have that kind of day. I'm sure there are 
people who just have terrible luck and run into jerks every single mm-hmm. place they go. Um, or people that say things unintentionally. But Right. But I have had days, for example, orientation week of college where I've had to explain over and over again because that's when you meet people, right? Hi, yeah. I'm James. And I, th- I always ask them where they're from regardless of their race. So they tell me, you know, min- Minnesota or wherever the crap they're from. Mm. And then I say, oh, I'm from Taiwan. And then sometimes they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know. Um, but I also get that in Taiwan because I look white in Taiwan. So I get a lot of, oh, wow, your Chinese is really good. Where mm. are you from? How long are you here for vacation? And when I, like, when I was in Hualien, a guy at a store like, came and offered to help me shop. And he spoke English. <laughs> he was like, hey, do you need help? And I was like, no, thank you. It's okay. Um, and so like, I, I understand encountering multiple instances of the same thing um, could get frustrating. But I feel like for me, at least the way I choose to respond is, like you said earlier, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. I don't know them. If I knew them, they wouldn't be like you guys haven't commented on my English ability since... I don't know. I don't think you've either, I mean, either of you ever commented. I mean, we could take your grammar sometimes. Right. But happens. you wouldn't say like, oh, wow, James, your English is really good today. Wow, like, James, your you know, English is really right, good well, today. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but I I'm feel sorry. like once I know someone, I have a better judge of their intentions, right? Mm-hmm. So if I don't, so if a complete stranger says something to me, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. I would rather assume that they're being kind or being ignorant than they prove me wrong by actually being a jerk, then to assume they're a jerk, and I respond in a way that's like, well, what do you want? Like, right, you know, like if the guy at the grocery store is like, hey, can I help you find the American food section? And I'd be like, dude, you know, like if I got mad and they were actually just like ignorant, I feel like I've done them wrong. Mm. Because I responded in a way that to me is not loving, Mm. right? It's also automatically assuming I'm a victim of their aggression, Mm. of their implicit bias or their explicit bias or whatever we want to call it, that I'm automatically in a place where I've been harmed and now I need to rectify the problem. Right. That reminded me of like a very, very small, 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 small version of this is like being from Arkansas, um, I learned very early on about all of the stereotypes about Arkansas. And I learned about them when I left the state. Anytime Mm -hmm. I left Arkansas and went to Texas, went to Missouri or Louisiana or anywhere visiting, if we happen to run into people in another state and we were just striking up a conversation, at some point someone would crack a joke about being barefoot or is this your first toilet or do you have electricity at your home or... Mm. Um, what's it like uh, leaving the farm? Whatever it I is. I got the same. Do you ride elephants? Yeah. That was a fun thing. <laughs> I like, have, in uh, fact, you could say, read, yes, you I have. I have, in fact, and they have prickly heads. They have <laughs> Elephants have very prickly heads. This is a recurring story in James's... Public service announcement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, and, but even to the point where within Arkansas... Uh, when I moved to, when I went to university, I went to university in the Northwest corner and up there, it's a lot more metropolitan. There's a lot more people from Texas and from outside of the state that live there and work there because we have Walmart. There's a lot of big companies there. And, um, so when I went to university, my freshman year, I would talk in class because I am clearly the person who talks too much in class <laughs> and would ask questions and would offer points. And offer the, points. every time I opened <laughs> my mouth, someone would giggle. 
And I was so confused why. And I realized it was my accent. Like people started like giggling and smirking because I came from South Arkansas where everyone's accent is as thick as butter. And then you come up to the to Northwest Arkansas where it's a little bit more For those mixed. of you who don't know how thick butter is, can you explain? <laughs> That's a that's a it's, thing, right? I've never heard. I've actually thick. never heard that saying. Thick as butter. Thick as butter. I mean, butter I can also use like thick as these. Well, I, I know butter is thick, but I've but never heard like, someone say oh, thick as butter. Because it's hard to cut. That's why, yeah. right? Yeah. So right. it's hard to cut cool. through. So you have to heat up your knife or whatever, mm-hmm. and so it's. Hey, I'm ignorant. As, you know, just really <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I literally changed my accent so that people would take me seriously in class. Mm. Like even my professors that weren't from Arkansas, mm-hmm. they would stop sometimes stop calling on me. Not because I wasn't saying anything interesting. Like, my friends around me would notice. They'd be like, why isn't he calling on you? You've had your hand up for two minutes, and he called on that other guy who had it for two seconds. And then when I switched my accent to the next class, then they would call on me again. Mm -hmm. And... I felt like I had to change some aspect of my personal, per, like, I guess, personality in order to be considered intelligent. So I have a question. Yeah. How do you know why he didn't call on you? He it, or she? It happened repeatedly until I, know, I changed how do you my know accent. The only thing I have is correlation. Okay. Is that so like, that's so, so I know to it's, me, I, you're assuming things, but it right? Seems too Even circums- though it's very likely... It, but it seems too likely. common because it only happened in the first month of my freshman year and then mm-hmm. never again. And that's when I changed my accent was my first month of freshman year. It seemed too likely so, for it to not be that cause. Sure. I feel like you... And I, people ask me about it. Like other classmates ask me about it too. Yeah. I feel like that's a unique situation where you're hearing, you're encountering this thing from the same exact person over and over again mm-hmm. to the point where you could like do a test yeah. and switch your accent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, Abigail, you were about to, you had a story. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't have a story. I had a question for you. Yeah. Um, One of the things, like I was saying earlier, is that you you have really thick skin and you also are really, I think, secure in your identity. Um, Where did it? It wasn't always that way, I think. I was going to say, where did it come from? Like, what, what, how did you Mm -hmm. become the person who who can handle comments like that and not be upset? So my first encounter with what may be considered a racial microaggression was in seventh grade. Mm. I moved to Taiwan and I went to a middle school in Hualien and it was PE class and we were playing the quintessential American sport of basketball. (laughs) Well, I had never played basketball in my entire life, but I was American. So they were like, hey, you can play basketball because you're American, which is pure ignorance. Right. They didn't mean it. They didn't mean that I was not American for not knowing how to like, you know, they were just they didn't know their middle school. It's an American middle sport. School, middle schoolers mm. are turds. And yeah. so sorry. We don't I'm, think that of all middle, middle schoolers. schoolers or any middle schoolers. actually. You know, there are a lot of middle school. I as a former middle school turd, <laughs> I will proudly. And you can't put that experience on every middle schooler. Dang right. A majority of middle school boys are turds. <laughs> With that, I think we need to take a quick break. Hello, welcome to Jokes and Jocular Facts with James, with Candace. Today's joke is, what do you call a bird that got in a fight with a frog and now walks with a limp? Pigeon toad. Today's jocular fact is that kissing a frog is actually a really bad idea for both parties involved. According to the Burke Museum, a Smithsonian affiliate administered by the University of Washington, when you kiss a frog, a prince will not appear, and you might get an icky taste on your lips. 
Some frogs have poisonous skin, like the poison arrow frogs, so kissing could result in a painful or quick death. Other frogs have poison glands in their skin that can ooze a milky secretion that can cause irritation. But as long as you don't kiss the white oozy stuff, you'll probably be okay. Amphibians are known to carry salmonella, however, so be aware that kissing frogs could cause some serious intestinal discomfort. It is more likely that by kissing a frog, you could make the frog sick by exposing it to bacteria or chemicals like lotion or lip gloss from your mouth and or hands. Amphibians are very sensitive to pathogens and chemicals because their skin is very permeable. Stuff can cross the skin barrier into the frog very easily, as opposed to other animals like reptiles, which have a thicker, tougher outer skin that protects the animal from outside pathogens and chemicals. It's just best to avoid kissing frogs altogether. This has been Jokes and Jocular Facts with James with Candace. Catch you next time. Welcome back, listeners. We've been talking about microaggressions, um, and that's what they said. They were like, I, you know, I sucked. I was terrible. They were much better than me, and they were like, wow. And they called me fake American. Aww. And up to that point in my life, I was like, wow, I'm American. Like, mm-hmm. I lived in Hong Kong. Being American was like, or being white or whatever we want to call it, being a foreigner was like a proud thing. And mm-hmm. I kind of, that was where I rooted my identity. So at that moment, I was like, snap. Like, I'm not really American. Like, I bought into their ignorance mm. that if I wasn't good at basketball, I wasn't American. Mm. Obviously, later on, I realized how dumb that was. But at that moment, it was like, oh, man, I'm not who I think I was. Or I, I'm not who I thought I was. So then I think that started a process of me, like, thinking about who I am in, con- in the context of where I am because it changes. Because people who are biracial... Usually, wherever you go, you get identified as what would be the minority in that place. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the States, people see Asian James. When I come back here, they, they see, see white, white, G- white They see white foreigner. So it's like this, and it, it's a fun blend with like being a TCK, because you're like, oh, where do I belong? Well, anywhere I go, <laughs> say I'm fun. a minority, You actually right? mean horrible. <laughs> well, I mean... In some ways, it's fun. Like, I can pretend to be a foreigner in both places. I can pretend to be ignorant to get, like, to get people to help me to get better deals <laughs> for things. Like, in Taiwan, if I'm, like, well, I won't, I won't go down. That. <laughs> but, so, I feel like that's where it came from for me, of having switched places where I lived. I had to deal with thinking about myself in multiple ways. And I had to think about what people said in different ways because I couldn't always assume that they were being mean. Cause I, I feel like in general, my position on other humans is that I'm going to assume you are nice until you're a jerk. And to me, the idea of microaggression assumes the opposite. Mm. It assumes that the speaker of the microaggression is aggressing or is committing an aggression and the receiver, like I, I assume that the speaker is, is being a jerk and I, instead of assuming anything else. Because mm. they could be anything else. They could be ignorant. Yeah. They, could be, um, they could be prejudiced. Mm. Or they could be straight up racist. They could be like I, like, I had an African roommate in college and for the first month and a half, like, I, I had a hard time understanding his accent. So I was like, dude, what, are you, what did you say, right? And that could be like taken out of context. That could be like really racist because mm. I could be implying Right, he could think that I'm implying that, oh well, you don't speak good English because mm. you're from Africa or whatever. But he knew me, right? So he knew the, 
he knew the intention behind what I was saying. And I was mm-hmm. actually ignorant of what he actually said. So I wasn't trying to be... So I, I think my biggest thing with microaggressions is that I, I feel like the term is too broad. Mm. It covers anything that the listener could perceive as offensive so then for with any that, of the reasons. Would you be willing to concede that... Um, Maybe concede's a really strong word, but consider... Well, for for the sake of this podcast, I concede nothing, (laughs) but go ahead. Well, you're inconclusive. Yeah, exactly. But if someone who has had... um, Because here... So you're saying that you perceive people as basically okay, like... Like on the I'd good side of neutral, uh, as kind first, first, and then, and then they can prove me wrong. Wrong, right? But what about someone who has grown up in a place where maybe they initially, or in, in a situations where maybe they initially had that, but then have been hurt so many times mm-hmm. that they can't do that anymore for their own sure. emotional safety. So I feel like they, I feel like they ought to seek help, and I feel like there should be people to help. Like counselors to help these people who are struggling with that, but I don't necessarily think it's the fault. Like, let's go back to the example of the punching thing. Like, a hundred people have punched you, and the hundred and first person, I don't think it's it's not their fault necessarily that you've had this buildup of stuff, right? right? But and, and they don't know. And of course, of course. But I, w- the where is carrying on with that is? Would you be willing to even consider that someone who could have a painful association with something that would be said versus that wouldn't also hurt you. So like if someone asked, where are you from? Mm -hmm. For example, that doesn't hurt you at all, right? Right. You're okay with that. But it might be something that's really damaging to someone else, depending on the reason of their leaving their family, leaving the Mm -hmm. country or how long they've been in America. Right. So to me, that phrase itself is not what's hurting them. Right. What's hurting them is their life up to this point. The so then, that so then do you think them? that people in general should try and consider you don't know where, what someone else's story is, so to be a kind human? So I guess maybe this yeah. is the way I think of microaggressions towards like racial micro, microaggressions, mm-hmm. even at all, right? Sure. Is I don't know what your story is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what pain that you've gone through. So I try really hard not to ask questions like where are you from without actually intending like where were you like last? Like if I'm asking you where are you from, you can say uh, Walian, or sure. you could say Hong no, Kong, I feel or you like, could say, I, right, sorry. or you could say America, or I can't remember, Georgia? Well, I, if you ask me right now where you're from, I'd be like, dude, I have no idea, because, mm-hmm. you know, TCK life. <laughs> of course. But I feel that I would try to not be unkind, and I think we all ought to try to be, un, try to be kind. I feel like that aligns well with what Christians ought, how we ought to behave. Right. But I think that as the concept microaggression goes, it doesn't focus necessarily on the, in, the intention to be kind or to be anything of the speaker. Mm. The term microaggression focuses solely on the victim mm. and their interpretation of what was said. And that's my biggest problem with it is that we're not assuming like I could be being I could be trying to be kind to you and you could interpret what I say as a microaggression. Right. Yeah. That has happened to me before. It's probably happened to you guys before. before. And so I don't think that's fair to the speaker for you to like, because what you're interpreting would be a misinterpretation of my intention. But I think at the same time, I'm sorry, Candace, she's just sitting here trying to say something. I'm I'm patiently waiting. I'm not past (laughs) patiently waiting. I'm currently patiently waiting. Um, I think that for me, though, sometimes when I've had 
okay, non-racial, but microaggressions, right? I am a woman. Sure. Like I've experienced things because of of um, systemic gender patriarchal bias. and gender patriarchy. bias, <laughs> patriarchy. Mm. Like so different, but like in yeah. my experience, it still really like frustrates me because it comes rooted in an idea mm. that, like, even if you're saying to me, even if you're saying to me, hey can let me have, you know, insert name of middle school boy help carry that box up for you into your classroom sure. versus when I'm just here to pick it up, what that infers, even if it's an unintentional inference, is that I'm not that strong weak. enough or a middle sure. school girl isn't strong enough to carry the box, right? So, so defining. And so with that, with that, I would say... I would say there is still is some beliefs and that you may be calling it ignorance is good, but there is that belief of less than right. And saying things like, why aren't you shopping in the Asian section? Or can I help you find the Asian section is saying you don't you have a right sure. to be able to but be shopping here, even if it's an, in a small, tiny inference rather so than a great big go back to where you came from. My thing again, goes back to how do you know that? Like if I offer for a student to par- carry something for you, and they're my TA, and they have nothing to do. I'm like, oh, there's something to do. Here, Miss Nelson, can they get that box for you? Right? You don't know what I'm implying. Right. You could interpret it the way you just interpreted it, or you could be wrong, right? Yeah. So I feel like what I would prefer is if when we hear something, we give space that we may have interpreted them wrong, that not everyone is a racist, even though whatever. <laughs> According to that right? one everyone's author. sinful, but not everyone's trying to kill you or right, commit violence. So I want to bring it back to what you said a minute ago about giving space for people to not be intended or intending harm. Um, I want to bring up a story of, so so for you listeners who, uh, I think I've told at least pieces of my story before, um, I have anxiety and it's kind of tied to germs a little bit. And someone once told me, uh, after they saw me go wash my hands, they said, or they, they offered me a fry or they offered me a piece of food and I was like, no thanks. Or they, they said that they, like their spouse was sick or they said someone else was sick with them and I kind of scooted over a little bit and they were like, wow, you're really a germaphobe. And, and it hurt, it hurt. And I like kind of didn't want to be around that person for a while. Like I, I wanted, I didn't really want to spend time with that person because I was like, they don't care about my story. They don't care about knowing why I scooted away slightly. And they did like, cause I was protecting myself. You know, I was, I wasn't protecting like my literal germness. I was protecting myself from like being in that situation of somebody who, who like, I felt like I wasn't being seen past me washing my hands or me scooting away from them when they said that they were sick. And, and that, that's not a micro, that's not a microaggression as far as I'm concerned, but it was something that hurt me. And I feel like if that is people of color's experience in the U S of something that hurts them and they tr- want to pull themselves away from that scenario, but it's happening all the time, yeah. then naming it as something that's a little bit more extreme, like an aggression, I think if that pulls people in the pendulum swing of pulling them back a little bit towards kindness as a whole, I feel like it could be I don't be think helpful. that pulls them that way at all. You don't think? I feel like exaggerating. So I'm not saying you're exaggerating per se. Mm. Um, and I'm, not also, I'm also not saying that your experience is not real mm. in that moment or that minorities are not experiencing unkind words because that does happen. But I feel that to fix something, you want to be specific with what the problem is. Mm. 
and to offer a broad term that is not always true in its in its meaning of being an aggression. It's not always. I mean, I I don't think words can be violent. So I mean, if you think words can be violent, then then there I feel like there are big implications because mm-hmm. then you could punch back. Yeah. With words or actual violence, right? Because if words are violence, mm. then I have self-defense because I got a right to live. There is legal, though, um, foundations, though, saying that words are violent. Like verbal assault is an actual well, thing. Threatening to kill the president. Threatening to kill the president. Well, so, but no, I mean, there are things that are actual, like in the Constitution, right? Like threats, actual threats, uh, words that would incite violence. But verbal being verbally assaulted is not those things. Being verbally assaulted, is, and it's not also microaggressions. It's usually more overt. It's usually saying things about another person, maybe with more intent to be mm-hmm, harmful, to be harm- yeah, sure. right? But there's also psychological ramifications mm-hmm. of people who have verbal assault. That's why verbal abuse is a is a thing yeah. that people seek counseling from. Um, and, and, and I'm pretty sure at the very minimum you can be like police intervention mm-hmm. for verbal assault, if not also like prosecuted mm-hmm. um, with it. So I, I No, that makes sense. I think so here's what I would here's what I would say. If someone's actually being verbally abused, or worse, if someone's actually being physically abused with actual violence, and we equate violence with words that hurt your feelings, I feel like that's kind of insensitive to people who are actually victims mm. of actual violence. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're like, oh, someone asked me where I'm from and I'm triggered and um, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what that would be like. I've never been triggered. So, but and then I equate that with like, dude, you got beat. Like that. I feel like that's insensitive to you to say like, oh, someone really assaulted me with their words. You know, and I, I don't know how to say that without belittling like people's experiences. Maybe that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know. I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast that's about trigger trigger warnings and things, but or I think it would probably go on to censorship or go on to like what is the nature of obscenity or violence or graphic imagery, whatever it is. But I personally greatly appreciate certain kinds of trigger warnings for things. Like for example, if there's a trigger warning about someone vomiting on a movie, then I am very thankful that I know about that trigger warning because then it doesn't trigger me to have anxiety, have like a panic attack, which normally happens if I have to see someone throwing up on a movie. And like, I'm very thankful for that trigger warning. And so if for me, like that's something that triggers my anxiety, if for someone else who is a person of color that it triggers their anxiety or triggers something about some sort of physical response in them Mm -hmm. for something, I personally think trigger warnings are kind of cool. And we'll be back after this break. Hello, listeners. We want to hear from you. Please send us any questions you may have regarding any of our episodes or suggestions for future topics. You can reach out to us on our social media at The Inconclusive Podcast or email us at theinconclusivepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Let me see if I can understand what you're saying real quick before we're done with this. I think what you're (laughs) saying is that words can be cause people to feel discomfort. They can hurt people's feelings, which can add distress, which all of these things that microaggressions are said to cause is real. Like that's not 
a lie, but labeling it as microaggressions as this broad catch-all umbrella is not what is helpful. It would be more helpful to say this was an ignorant comment, this was a prejudiced comment, this was a racist comment, exactly. this was a uh, you are a jerk, you, this was a mm. foolish thing to but say. But I feel like a while ago people just called all of that racist. Mm. For a while, it was like racist to ask someone where they're from, and then we kind of reframed it. Now well, because I think racist has like uh, deeper connotations, and some of the right. micro people are unwilling to call themselves racist. So if they do anything that other people would be considered racist, then they're like, "How dare you call me racist?" Like George W. Bush or George Bush, he said that the worst moment of his presidency was in George Bush, George W. Bush. Oh, I guess it, it George was... George H.W. Yes, it dad. was George W., yep. not the dad. So George W. Bush... Republican president's right, Candace. Jeez. <laughs> he Just said kidding. that the worst moment of his presidency, of his entire presidency, which he was president during 9-11, during the, like, at least one iteration of wars in the Middle East, and saw thousands of people die, yeah. saw bombs SARS. dropped. SARS. Well, SARS didn't... Dis- well, whatever. Okay. But he, he was president during lots yeah. of critical moments of history, and he said his worst moment in history or in his presidency was when Kanye West called him racist. Mm. That was his worst moment. The president of the United States who was president during 9-11, he said that was the lowest point of his, of his presidency. So people are repulsed by being called racist, but be- when they're repulsed by it, they shut off. Yeah. They don't hear anything about behavior. They don't hear anything about like any small things that they could tweak or change or grow not being ignorant anymore. But they just hear this blanket term put on them that's like being called the black sheep. So I think that as it stands right now, I kind of agree with what you're getting at, mm-hmm. if my understanding is correct. However, yeah. I would still like to put an umbrella over it, like for my own catalog of microaggressions, and then it can be in these different categories, mm-hmm. which are being more specific. Because I also think that as much as if someone called me a racist, I would be straight up like, like it would hurt, it would hurt, right? And it would be very difficult to like consider for a minute. For it would sure. be really uncomfortable for me to sit with that and then think about it later, especially because especially because I'm someone who works hard at being anti-racist. Like I take steps Ooh, to do that. New term that we haven't <laughs> all agreed on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I also think the same thing maybe for microaggressions too. If you're labeling an ignorant comment from a sweet old grandma who's genuinely curious about why your grandfather is so dark and genuinely ignorant and not in any kind of Mm -hmm. malintent at all in her little old heart. Right. And you're like, that was an aggressive comment. I could think that could shut people down too. In Mm. the same way that saying that was racist, but Mm. saying like, even not saying it, but maybe that was an ignorant thing to say about people. We don't call them Oriental anymore. It's Asian. Like mm-hmm. it's an outdated term yeah. and, or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. all of that might have like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. I didn't know. Thank you. Sure. Rather than saying, and that's like the ideal exchange. Right. Yeah. Of right? course. And I feel like, I guess this can be my concluding thought because we're running out of time. <laughs> that's okay. Um, what I th- support is as speakers of words, We should try to be kind, but Mm. we don't always know how our words land. Mm. As listeners of words, I feel like we need to give the speaker the benefit of the doubt and allow them the space to clarify what they mean Mm. instead of instantly labeling something as aggression or microaggression simply because of the way we interpret it, right? Mm. I think we should all aim to be kind. We should all aim to be respectful. We should all aim to be hilarious and bring laughter to the world. (laughs) Um, but like, don't, don't be dumb, you know, don't be dumb about who you say things to. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, just be smart. I feel like it's a different 
as a, as a utterer of words and as a listener of words, mm-hmm. what I think about um, microaggressions. Mm-hmm. So I guess my concluding thought is that I still feel kind of torn because I don't believe that words should be stopped. I think that words should continue to be exchanged and to grow. But I do think that, just as James said, that we need we need to encourage each other and to the right kind of words and discourage each other from the kind of words that hurt each other. I but I like for example, I don't believe that a speaker shouldn't be allowed on a university campus because they've said something shady before. I think they should be allowed on and then be questioned on campus and be like like slam into their speech and be like, hey, dude, you said this in, in oh, forever no, ago. Well, and don't interrupt. Like Q&A, Q&A. Yeah, in Q&A. Q&A. In, <laughs> it, yeah, I'm saying Come slamming on, it in the Q&A. Let's yeah. be civil here. But, being, but having civil. a civil dif- discourse, exactly. Like having yeah. a place where you can talk about ideas and disagree and it's okay. And you can think someone is shady or you can think someone is rude, but you could still talk to them because they're still human. That's the part that I'm like, go words. Let words continue. Conserve the words. All right, well, listeners, let us know what you think about microaggressions. And once again, you've reached inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast. Sharing is caring. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the inconclusive podcast. Talk to you next time.